G'day everyone! Welcome to the Travels Abroad podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. This podcast is for all the travel souls out there. It's a platform where my Travels Abroad friends and I share stories and travel advice, tips and tricks, experiences, and just discover places all over the world that are kind of unheard of or lesser walked parts of the planet. I hope you enjoy meeting each other and sharing one of my favorite things to do, which is hearing everyone else's stories. Welcome. I hope you stay a while. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Travelers Board podcast. We're here today with Chloe. Uh, Chloe, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. This is my first official podcast, I think, so I'm very nervous and excited to be There's no reason to be nervous. It is so <laughs> exciting, though. So one of the sort of big aspects of coming on to the Travelers Abroad and being a traveller abroad yourself is really getting the knowledge out there so people know different places to travel that aren't necessarily well known. Have you experienced that so far amongst your travels? Have you found somewhere that you really enjoyed traveling to that necessarily not a lot of people know about? Yeah, so there was a place in Malaysia called Georgetown. And I think it's now probably gaining more traction with travelers. Um, But when I went to Malaysia, I'd never even heard of it. And we just, I I can't even remember how we found it. I think it was literally just like, I think we asked someone in the hotel we were staying at and they were like, oh yeah, you have to go to Georgetown. And it's now one of my absolute favorite places in the world. Like it's um, just next to Penang Island. Um, and it's absolutely incredible. The food there is like ridiculously amazing. The beer is so cheap. I think we pay like 17p per bottle of beer. So good. Um, and you get to hang out with the locals and this little, um, it's not like an off license, but then on a nighttime, they put like loads of plastic chairs just outside on the street. And um, it's, it's amazing. I have written about it on my blog, but like, honestly, if, if there's one place I could tell you to go, like it, it's there, it's absolutely amazing. Isn't it incredible just speaking to people it, and just finding different places yeah. that they all recommend? That's why I always sort of say, if you're going somewhere you don't know, speak to the locals. Yeah, they yeah, know the locals. All the hotspots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So just give me a little bit of your personal history. How did you get into traveling and what type of travel do you do? Where do you like to go? Um, so I've always wanted to travel. I mean, I was always going to go to university and then travel around it but I did go to uni for like three days and then I was like nah I don't want to do this um so I did an apprenticeship in digital marketing and then like um started my blog on the side and then I was like oh no I really want to go traveling so um and my boyfriend and I have always discussed it we've been together about five and a half years well done Um, (laughs) so we always said we would go traveling together and um in November 2018 we booked a one-way flight to New Zealand and we both quit our jobs and were like, we need to find a way to like work online and travel indefinitely. Um, and that is what we were doing. We traveled to, I think, 12 countries um, from April 2019 to March 2020. And then, you know what, hit and we had to come home. Um, but we, we wanted to travel indefinitely. And I think that is still the plan. Um, we're just sort of doing smaller trips for now until the world is sort of safer yeah. again. And how did you come to the conclusion to book a one-way trip rather than booking a return flight? I think we both just had it in our heads. Like we didn't want the normal nine to five jobs. I mean, we both had them. We both worked in an office. Uh, my partner worked for Northern Rail and I worked um, just in a marketing agency. And then I was doing my travel blog and freelance writing on the side. And I think we both just sort of got to the conclusion of like, We'd we'd been on like loads of little city breaks and like to Prague and Paris and like Budapest, all these different places. And we were like, 
if we can find a way to live in these places, you know, for three months at a time or six months at a time, that's what we really want to do. We don't want to like just be based in one place. Um, I don't like routines. So like, even as a freelance writer working for myself all day, every day, I, I have to change up. I don't like routine. I think that's what travel like does for me. I can work from anywhere in the world. And that is what I love about it. That's awesome. And then I see on your Instagram and things like that, you do a lot of travel from your van. So obviously you clearly like to work where you go. How did you get on board with becoming sort of like a digital nomad traveling on your van? How did you save up enough to afford the van? How did you know Um, which one to buy? There's so many questions around it. It's just so inspiring. Honestly, that was the most random thing like we've probably done um we always talk we so we did van life in New Zealand Australia and absolutely loved it but we just like rented one while we were there and then after that we fell in love with it and we're like oh we need to do this one day and last year in the pandemic we always talked about getting one and like every day I'd set up like price alerts for different vans and there was nothing below like 10,000 pound because obviously yeah. like the rising popularity um so one day I think it was the Maybank holiday this year we just went for a walk like so, I mean, we were out of lockdown, but it was like our traditional lockdown walk, just going out. And we went a different way that we'd never been before and went down this little residential street and saw this Toyota Hiace. And it was for sale. And it was just like a minivan, like a mum's minivan. Um, and it was priced for £1,800. And I was like, I am not leaving this pavement until that van is mine. So, so I, cool. went and, I went and knocked on the door and I was like, I want to buy it. And my boyfriend was like, you know, maybe we should just check inside first. Like, let's look at the engine. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Um, so we like told the owners, like, we really want this van. So we went back home um, and got my partner's stepdad because um, he knows all about cars and stuff. And he came and checked it for us. And then I literally like transferred her the money on the spot. And I was like, and then we drove it home um, and converted That's it cool. ourselves in, I think it was about five weeks we converted it. Wow. So it was really quick and we did it on a budget. I think all in, it was about three and a half thousand pounds. Um, and that's for the van, the tax and insurance for both of us, like all the equipment, all the like cooking equipment and everything. Um, How did you do that on a budget? Honestly, I, I don't know. We did everything ourselves. Well, I say we, I <laughs> oversaw the project and my boyfriend and his um, stepdad did it all um so we didn't buy like you can buy conversion kits that you can like get someone to do while you do it yourself but they're like a minimum of five grand they're so expensive and we knew like we really wanted to make it good but we didn't want to spend a fortune on it um so we were just so we like bought planks of wood from B&Q and like drilled everything ourselves made absolutely everything ourselves from scratch and I think we were just super lucky with the cheapness of the van I think the fact that it was only 1800 pounds was just so lucky um to be fair I think we sort of robbed them because like I was like how how is how have you priced it this cheap and I was convinced something was going to go wrong with it because it's like how how is it this affordable um but no I think I think we honestly just got so lucky yeah exactly um I think it just like I am sort of like a bit of a woo head and like believe in camera and fake because I was like we never go that way for a walk we always go like a different way I think we just walked past the van and it was like hours basically um so that was really cool and then where did you draw your inspiration on how to set out your van? How did you choose where to put things? What was going to be functional for you both? How did you figure all of that out? So because we'd used vans in New Zealand, Australia, we'd hired three over the course of like the, the two different countries. Um, and each van was sort of different every time. So I think we just drew inspiration from all three vans that we'd been in and made something that we wanted. So it's not a stand up van. So like when you get in, you know, you have to like crouch and stuff. Um, 
but the boot opens like backwards so it's sort of like a roof so we wanted to be able to cook out the back because obviously in the UK it rains an awful yep. lot um, <laughs> so we didn't want somewhere like the kitchen had to be outside like that wasn't something for us and because you can't stand up inside it we knew we wouldn't be able to cook inside um so the fact that the boot opens up we've got basically like a kitchen cupboard out the back um with a pull-out table where we put our gas cooker on and then we cook from there and then we've got like a sink system um but again like it makes us sound really tight but I think I'd rather say like we're smart with it so like sinks for camper vans we're coming up at like 60 to 80 pounds I'm like I don't want to spend that on a sink so my boyfriend found like a metal mixing bowl and we drilled a hole in the middle and I think it was about eight pounds and it's like well it was a no-brainer <laughs> and then we've just got like a hose pipe and like a pulley tap that works as a sink and it worked perfectly I mean it's probably not to everyone's taste it is very homemade but it works absolutely perfectly for us that's amazing see yeah. everything whatever you do it's meant to be so then when you both travel together obviously relationships there's always going to be a natural strain yeah. especially if you're in a confined space how do you go about keeping the work life and the relationship life and the travel life all happy at the same time Got any tips I mean, on that? <laughs> truthfully, it's not always happy all at the same time. You know, obviously, like, I mean, relationships can have ups and downs no matter where you are. But I think the fact that we both share the same passions really helps. Mm -hmm. So it's not like just me needing to work like six hours a day and my boyfriend doing nothing. We both understand that we both have to work and travel and we want to do that. Um, so I think those shared values are really like good for us. Um, and we just make sure like we are open and honest about when we need to work and how much we need to work. And then we set aside, like when we're actually doing the travel activities and stuff, we make sure like we're both present and we're doing what we want to do. Um, but yeah, it's just communication. It's just being honest with each other. And obviously being in a camper van, it is very tight space. So it's not like you can go in the other bedroom and slam the door. Like if you have a, a little disagreement, it's like, it's there. It's Don't get that satisfaction. <laughs> Oh, so I mean if it's you know if we really need to cool off like one of us will go for a walk one of us will chill out but I mean it's uh, you know that's the worst case like yeah. it's never like that I think we're just both pretty compatible and we both have the same same goals and desires and stuff so it, it does work quite well and then when you are sort of traveling where do you decide to set up for the night is there anything you use to help you find campsites or places you're allowed to stay in your camper van likewise when you went traveling in a van in New Zealand and Australia was that different in terms of finding places you'd be able to stay rather than the UK does that differ yeah so New Zealand and Australia were definitely much easier their whole thing of like freedom camping is so it's just so much better I think the, the especially New Zealand Australia was definitely but New Zealand more so they like thrive on freedom camping yeah. um and you can park pretty much anywhere obviously there are rules of like public and private land and things like that but it was so much easier in the UK it is pretty difficult because I think technically freedom camping I'm not sure if it's illegal as such but it's very much like you shouldn't be doing that it's um, frowned upon definitely yeah exactly so you have to be really careful but we are quite spontaneous travelers so when we go on a trip we never usually know where we're going to be staying that night so we'll set off to a destination and then sort of I don't know maybe three or four hours before dark we like we like to try and set up before it's dark just so we're not faffing about yeah. in like especially if it rain it's raining and stuff um we use an app called park for night and it's basically like a camper van traveler review site so people have found freedom sites or found even paid sites um and leave reviews and be like oh you can definitely park here or 
they like update it when you know someone has stayed there for free in the past and then they've gone oh no actually there's now signs saying you can't pack your van here um and then basically just seeing i mean there's a lot of free sites that are basically laybys and it's like well should you park here or should you not yeah. and i think you can get away on a technicality i think if it says explicitly no parking you know we would never ever do that but if it's like there's no signs it's like well there's no like. signs <laughs> we can't it doesn't say we can't stay here um but yeah I'm, I'm always really worried about like being told off for parking somewhere illegal so like if we're not comfortable in a in a space when like we're not 100 sure we'll just move on and find somewhere else that's so good I love that As, yeah <laughs> that's awesome so then when you did travel sort of how many travels how many trips have you done overseas um, I mean, little city break. I think we've been to 25 countries together. You say last... that like a little, like a small list. <laughs> no, crazy. yeah, um, in the last five and a half years. Wow, um, well our big trip was, I think it was 11 or 12 countries. I can't remember. Um, so we did New Zealand and Australia and then flew into Southeast Asia. Um, so we went to Indonesia, the Philippines, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Cambodia and Vietnam and then flew home from Vietnam because of Covid. Um, So that was our big main trip but then in between you know we've done lots of little city breaks and week holidays and stuff like that in between. How long did the big trip take you? So as I say it was going to be indefinite we weren't ever well not ever planning to come home but for a long time we were we were just going to come home for like a month at a time and see family and then go out again. but it was 11 months in total. Um, as I said, it was it was cut short because of COVID, not because of our yeah. decision necessarily. When you um, were on this big sort of trip, did you sort of face any struggles with, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I struggle with homesickness. Oh yeah, definitely. I struggle when it comes to not being allowed to do what I want to do. My mm-hmm. mental health just, you know, sometimes it takes a bit of a hit. Did you yeah. need that on your journey and how did you deal with it? Because everyone yeah. deals with it in different ways. I definitely did. I mean, before that trip, I'd never really been homesick. Like I, I would go, like I moved in with my boyfriend and like his mum when we were only together for six months. So I moved out and I, I, I missed my mum. Like I'm, my mum is literally my best friend. So like I, I did, yeah. <laughs> Um, but on that trip I did really struggle with homesickness um, I think just like I I mean I FaceTime my mum most days um, even if we hadn't done anything in particular that day I just yeah. wanted to like talk to her I mean when I was back home I wouldn't speak to her every day but I think the distance I was like oh I need to speak to you every day for some reason I get this 100% <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like when when we were in the UK like even now like we're back at my uh, boyfriend's mum's for a while we I don't speak to my mum every day now but I think when I was away I was like oh, I, yeah. I have to um thank goodness we've got technology to be yeah oh god I don't know it. how people did it before um nope no idea <laughs> no um yeah I just I mean some some weeks were better than you know I didn't miss yeah. I didn't ever really miss the UK as such I never felt like the UK was my home I it's really cheesy but like the world is my home I never yeah. but like obviously my family is my home mm-hmm. so that element I did struggle with a little bit um but it just, yeah, I just suppose you get through it. And the adventure, like my family was so supportive and so was my boyfriend. So they were always like, you know, we want you to go out into the world yeah. and explore. So I think that definitely helped, you know, not feeling guilty like I'd left them basically. Yeah. And my mum did actually fly out to Bali. I think we were 
we'd been traveling about six months and she flew out and met us and that was just like the most amazing few yeah. days because it was so nice to see her and like show her the life that we were living that, that improves relationships because it gives you something to look forward to you look forward yeah, to seeing exactly. that person rather than sort of having to see them every day it gives you yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I definitely get it. I When I moved over to the UK, it was in 2019. It was very sp- spur of the moment. I, yeah. you know, I didn't have any plans and I've not seen my family necessarily since uh, because of COVID and things like that. That so, is awful, yeah. Yeah, you, some days are worse than others. And I guess you, you've really actively got to watch out for your mindfulness. You've got to watch mm-hmm. out for you've got to stay positive and remind yourself that you're traveling for a reason yeah yeah. you're out there for a reason and there's a lot of people at home that are probably watching you on all of these adventures and wish they were in your yeah exactly sometimes when you're on the trip you kind of feel like oh I wish I was back home I wish I was (laughs) seeing my family but yeah it's just I guess staying on top of your mindfulness and really enjoying where you are in 80 years you're gonna you know be sitting there thinking oh thank god I did that yeah trip exactly and not stay yeah. at home. <laughs> have you done necessarily any trips on your own or anything like that or do you majority travel with your partner I mean we've been together since we were 18 so really yeah. like my whole adult life we've been together um I've done like little trips I have family in um Ireland and America so I've been there like on my own a few times um and I'd happily solo travel it just so happens like I found someone who like once the same thing so like yeah I'm not opposed to solo trips I'd go but it, you know I think we're both like well I want to go to that destination it's like well I want to go too so yeah I think if there was a place where like I just wanted to go or where my boyfriend just wanted to go like you know we do solo trips but it we just are quite compatible with the destinations and and the way we live I, I guess and then when you do solo travel, what do you do? You kind of change anything about your your ways in terms of traveling to make sure you're safe, especially when you're own being a young female. How do you go about just, you know, taking those extra precautions to make sure you're safe whilst traveling? I mean, I suppose the trips that I've done have always been to family. So I've basically gone from like one safety net to another, another. you know, like when I so really I, I don't actually have much experience in that. Um, but you know, I'm pretty level-headed and I think traveling, like even with my partner, we have to be, you know, very safe in certain places. And I think just, I have those skills to just be wary and, um, especially while traveling in your van as well, going places you don't necessarily know. Sometimes you might be parking in, you know, places that aren't necessarily the safest. Do you guys take any precautions for those situations? Like like I said, if we parked up somewhere and and either of us don't feel comfortable, usually it is me if I'm like, you know, it's too dark and there's no one else around. Like I'll I don't ever like parking somewhere where there isn't at least one other van. Um so if if I feel extremely uncomfortable, like we will spend the next hour or two hours literally driving around if if I'm not comfortable. And I think that's you know, it, it might be a little bit extreme, but it's important to me to park up somewhere and feel safe for the night rather than feeling uncomfortable, you know, for the next eight hours or whatever. I, I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm willing to be like, even if it is a little overdramatic and then move on to somewhere that I feel safe. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And then with all these places you've been to, how did you get the knowledge and the advice on visas and things that you legally are required to have to be able to travel to these countries where did you get all of the information from um 
I guess just Google basically yeah. I mean being a blogger like I've read a lot of blogs so you know I would probably Google you know Indonesian visa and then read blog advice but then also go on like the properly like proper immigration websites um and make sure like the thing with visas some places you don't have to pay to get a visa you just you need a visa but you can just get it and then go whereas some places you have to pay for them and then some places you have to pay to extend so like Vietnam for example I can't remember if you have to pay for the first two weeks or you just get a visa. You have to have a visa for the first two weeks. Yeah, I um, think I was but, there for two and you had to. Yeah, but then yeah. I think if you want to extend it to 30 days, then you have to pay an additional fee. Okay. Um, and that was sort of a last minute thing for us because we didn't realise at first. Um, and we had to like quickly like process our visas so that we could extend our stay. I mean, you can do research before, but like, we didn't even know the order of countries we were going to when we went traveling. We knew definitely New Zealand was first because we'd booked the ticket. Yeah. Um, and we had an idea of like where we wanted to go, but we didn't know like the exact route or anything. Um, but I think if you're a bit unorganized or if you want to just make sure like you know exactly what you're doing, I would recommend researching before and just having like a list of like visa requirements. You know, for certain countries, if you're like, oh, you only get 14 days in this country and then the cost of it, some of them are really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> UK. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm really sorry for that. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. So you just need to be aware of like the cost. I think visas are something that a lot of travellers don't realise, I think, mm-hmm. because like, you know, I mean, maybe not now, but as a UK citizen, you could just go to Europe and travel and do whatever you want. Whereas now you're going to have to have at least a visa or mm-hmm. some kind of thing to prove that you're allowed in that country um so it's not just as simple as hopping on a plane and hopping off again whenever you please you've got to be aware of, of the yeah. the requirements but I, th- I love the idea of having a list of just yeah. how much you know the places you want to go with but then associating the visa yeah. cost with it as well just so you can sort of plan that's yeah that's brilliant advice have you got any more advice for people out there that are I guess, sitting on this, they're really wanting to travel, but they just don't necessarily know the first steps to take. Have you got any advice or encouragement for them? I mean, my, my thing is just just go. I know do it's it. not as easy, <laughs> just do but it. like, just like, do not spend time regretting it or like planning. I mean, plan, you do have to plan. We, we had sort of five months really from when we booked the ticket to like when we were going, you know, yeah. to get travel insurance. And also vaccinations are a huge thing as well. A lot of countries yeah. require you to be vaccinated, um, not just against COVID now, obviously, but um, all, all, I think we maybe had about 15 injections and that cost us 500 pounds each. Wow. So that is, so, I mean, some people would be like, oh, so unnecessary because a lot of them we got because of just our own personal yeah. want to be protected. Um, but that that is a huge expense that like when that money came out of my bank and I was like oh it's just they've just stabbed me in the arm why do I have to pay for this but for our own peace of mind that was such an important like investment in travel um and a lot of them you have to have them like at least you know six weeks before you fly to a certain country so those are all the things you have to bear in mind you know if you want to just go on a one-way ticket that is fine and that is possible but just maybe do a little bit of research um before you plan on going as well that's such brilliant advice and it's something I mean I've even had to do that but I didn't even think about that that's yeah. brilliant <laughs> and then how did you go about sort of travel insurance and needing to know what especially in the like with your van and things like that how do you know about travel insurance and what works for both of you I mean so for the fact we haven't taken the van abroad yet I think that's maybe the plan from like January hopefully um so we've just got normal like 
car insurance for that basically um but for travel insurance for the huge trip we wanted to be like as extensive as possible just in case like because we were going for such a long time we wanted to make sure like we were covered for any eventuality and thankfully we didn't need to claim on it like even coming back because of covid um we didn't need to claim on it because we'd sort of just arranged everything ourselves mm -hmm. it, it wasn't something we needed to claim for um but my boyfriend has a severe peanut allergy so we had to like declare that on on the travel insurance um and obviously going to asian countries but especially places like thailand where like yeah. most food is cooked with peanuts we had to like make sure we were covered in in the event that like he had a severe reaction um so that bumped up the price a little bit but we we figured it was like an investment you know even though we didn't oh, yeah. claim on it so it was like hundreds of pounds essentially wasted but it wasn't because it was it gave us that peace of mind to know wherever we were in the world we, we were like protected yeah gives your family a peace of mind as well exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine how parents of all these travellers feel. With them. Yeah, all this is <laughs> it must be hard. Where we want. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's perfect. So what I want to do, Chloe, is just sort of get a knowledge of your social media so then people can follow you. Um, I'll also pop them in the link to our bio as well as onto my website as well so they can go straight through to your social media, take a look at the, your adventures, your travels, keep up with your van life adventure with you and your partner. It's so <laughs> exciting. <laughs> so Thank just you. Let us know what platforms you're on and your handle so we can definitely get everyone to have a look and I guess see all the places you you go to and in inspiration for them to travel to these places as well yeah so um you're probably actually best finding me on my blog I know a lot of people don't really like to read anymore but that is where I update the most um and that's just uh I'm just a girl 16.co.uk and then my Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that is just um at I'm just a girl underscore 16 I mean, Instagram, I have such a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I want to update and I do. Like when we were traveling, I think I posted every single day for around 330 days or something like that. Um, but now, I mean, especially in the pandemic and stuff, yeah, I barely posted. Difficult. But yeah, I, that, that is the best way. And I have a full like highlight reel of um, the van conversion process from like buying the van to like finished products. So yeah, you can see the full thing on there as well. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for becoming our first traveller abroad. We really appreciate it. We can't no, wait thank to see you all your so much for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to an episode of the Travellers Abroad podcast. If you'd like to follow and connect with myself or one of our travellers, please just follow the link to our socials through my bio below. And don't forget, if you'd like to become a traveller abroad yourself and share your stories, get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. All the details to do that are below. So in the meantime, I hope you stay safe. See you in the next podcast and happy exploring.